Hi, this is Pastor Bill Woods, and I just uh, wanted to talk to you today about the kind of commitment that you need to make to Jesus Christ. I've titled this, It's Really All or Nothing at All. Romans chapter 12, 1 and 2 says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You know, the sin we spare is the sin that will become our master. If there's something that you're not really ready to commit to God, it's something that will destroy you. The secret to spiritual success is to give God access and control of every part of your life. Until he owns it, until he owns it all. He owns nothing at all and can do nothing with you and you will suffer defeat. I may have used this illustration before, but it's one of my favorites. A Haitian pastor illustrated the need for total commitment to Christ. A man wanted to sell his house for $2,000. Another man wanted very badly to buy it, but because he was poor, he couldn't afford the full price. They finally came to an agreement that he would reduce the original price to $1,000 with just one stipulation. He would retain ownership of, the one, of one small nail protruding from the just over the door. After several years, the original owner wanted the house back, but the new owner was unwilling to sell. So the first owner went out, found a dead dog, and hung it from the single nail he still owned. Soon the house became unlivable, and the family was forced to sell the house back to the owner of the nail. The Haitian pastor's conclusion was, if we leave the devil with even one small peg in our life, he will return to hang his rotting garbage on it, making it unfit for Christ's habitation. You know, too many Christians still have a nail provided for Satan to use. I heard about a Japanese evangelist that illustrated a message by spinning tops on the platform as he preached. He said, ministers spend so much time spinning up, spinning up wobbly Christians, they can't get time to win the lost. He won't see anything accomplished for God if we have no real commitment to him. And with this, the the uh, evangelists would start a top spin one two three five six tops and keep them going but the first one would start to run down he'd run back and try to get it started again then the next another one would start to run down and it just took all his time just to try to keep everything going and and again we won't see anything accomplished for god if we have no real commitment to him if we just try to keep everything spinning all the time rather than concentrate on what God wants us to do. We can't have the commitment we need if we're not willing to obey God. Ezekiel 33, 31 through 33 said, So they come to you as people do. They sit before you as my people and they hear your words, but they do not do them. For with their mouth they show much love, but their hearts pursue their own gain. And indeed, you are to them as a very lovely song of one who has a pleasant voice and can play well on the instrument, for they hear your words, but they do not do them. And when this comes to pass, surely it will come. 
they, then they will know that a prophet has been among them. Now there are three things that stop spiritual growth. One is disobedience. If you're a disobedient believer, you're not growing for Christ like you need to. I take for, as illustration Abraham in Egypt. In Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 and 7 and 10, verse 1 says, Now the Lord had said to Abram, Get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. And, and then verse 7 then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your descendants I will give this land. And there he built the altar of the Lord who had appeared to him. Verse 10, Now there was a famine in the land, and Abram went down to Egypt to dwell there, for the famine was severe in the land. Now there was a famine in Canaan, and Abraham went to Egypt to, to wait it out. God had told Abraham to go to Canaan and to stay there. It hadn't been a time of tremendous victory, or it had been when he had this experience with God. It had been a time of tremendous victory and promise. How excited Abraham was over what God promised him. He was going to give him all his property. He's going to make him a father of many nations, and his descendants would be as numerous as the stars of the sky. God did not tell Abraham to go back to Egypt if a famine occurred. We are most apt to be tested just after a season of great blessing. It's no sign that we are in the wrong place just because famine comes. We try to solve our problems by going contrary to what God has instructed us to do, and then we wonder why we get into trouble. I want you to know it's better to suffer doing God's will than to take things into your own hands and get into endless complications. We get ahead of God. Things go amiss, and we question if God really cares. In 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 22, So Samuel said, Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed than the fat of rams. Learn to obey God, and you won't have such a hard time keeping the victory. See the mess that Abraham and Sarah created until God intervened and got them back out of Egypt. In Genesis chapter 12, verses 10 through 19, Now there was a famine in the land, and Abram went down to Egypt to dwell there, for the famine was severe in the land. And it came to pass when he was close to entering Egypt that he said to Sarai, his wife, Indeed, I know that you are a woman of beautiful countenance. Therefore, it will happen when the Egyptians see you that they will say, This is, is his wife, and they will kill me, but they will let you live. Please say you are my sister, that it may be well with me for your sake, and that I may live uh, because of you. So it was when Abraham came into Egypt that the Egyptians saw the woman that she was very beautiful, and the princess of Pharaoh also, or the princes, all the guys of Pharaoh also saw her and commended her to Pharaoh. And the woman was taken to Pharaoh's house, and he treated Abram very well for her sake. He had sheep, oxen, male donkeys, male and female servants, female donkeys and camels, but the Lord 
plagued Pharaoh and his house with great plagues because of Sarai, Abraham's wife. And Pharaoh called Abram and said, What is this you have done to me? Why did you not tell me that she was your wife? Why did you say she is my sister? I might have taken her as my wife. Now therefore, here is your wife, and take her and go your way. Talk about a mess. Abram and Sarah really fouled things up. How much better it would have been to follow God's will in the first place. You know, sometimes we do that too. Some of you have slipped back into Egypt. You won't work uh, God won't work in your life until you let him lead you back to Canaan. And there are de deluded believers, Lot in Sodom. And Genesis again, Genesis 13, 10 and 11. And Lot lifted his eyes and saw all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. Like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt as you go towards Zoar, then Lot chose for himself all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east, and they separated from each other. <clears throat> the background of this story is that Lot's uh, riches and wealth, animals, everything had grown so big, and so had Abraham's, that the land would not support both of them. And so they decided to separate. Abram gave Lot first choice. And Lot looked down at and he saw the, the plain of Jordan and how well it was watered and taken care of. And that's where he decided he would go. You know, a person who is always chasing after material things gets spiritual blight. It's so very important to keep things in proper perspective. Matthew 6.33 says, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. I, I want you to see what Lot did. He took three steps down and had a lot of problems because of it. Number one, Lot pitched his tent towards Sodom. It says in Genesis 13.12, Abraham dwelt in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelled in the cities of the plain and pitched his tent even as far as Sodom. Learn to watch for the first leanings you have towards the things of the world that might uh, compromise your walk with Jesus Christ. The second step, Lot dwelt in Sodom. Genesis 14:12. They also took Lot, Abraham's brother's son, who dwelt in Sodom and his goods, and they departed. And then uh, trying to get the most out of both worlds will not work. You've got to make a decision one place or another. I had a uh, acquaintance one time who was a Nazarene pastor. His name was Jim. I won't say the last name because the fact I, I don't want to cause problems for his family. But he was a Nazarene pastor that got a call to the church, a church of the Nazarene in Las Vegas. And while he was there, you know, he convinced himself that he should frequent the casinos and the floor shows, confronting sinners of their need for Jesus Christ. But somehow he got careless, he got waylaid by a stripper and got some kind of an affair going and lost his family and his ministry. You know, Satan is tricky and he will help us justify going contrary to God's will. Uh says that Lot sat at the gate, Genesis 19.1. 1. 
How Now the two angels came to Sodom in the evening, and Lot was sitting in the gate of Sodom. When Lot saw them, he rose to meet them, and he bowed himself uh, with his face toward the ground. He'd gotten sin, he, he, he'd gotten on in the world so well that he, he, you know, he'd gotten a place of prestige in the city fathers. He'd gotten too comfortable. Lot was now too earthly minded to be of any heavenly good. You know, not to be out and out is to be down and out. If I've divided loyalties, I've not, I will not be happy with the world, and I'll not be happy serving Christ. In fact, I'll be miserable with the Lord. The only place of spiritual victory is to be completely in God's will. We need to pray the prayer that Jesus said, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lot's testimony was gone. He had compromised. He had let down. Now he did not have a testimony, and so he was mocked when he told people that judgment was coming, especially his family. Genesis 19:14. So Lot went out and spoke to his sons-in-law, who had married his daughters, and said, Get up, get out of this place, for the Lord will destroy this city. But to his son-in-laws, he seemed to be joking. God's angels had to come and drive Lot and his family out by, you know, of, of the Sodom and Gomorrah. He was so comfortable there. He, it's still that way today. There are so many poor and deluded Christians. What will it take to get our attention back to God? And then the third thing is disgruntled believers. Peter, we're going to look at him. He sat by the enemy's fire after the arrest of Jesus Christ. It says in Luke 22, 55 through 57, Now when they had kindled a fire in the midst of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat among them. And a certain servant girl, seeing him as he sat by the fire, looked intently at him and said, This man was also with him. But he denied him, saying, Woman, I do not know him. Poor Peter's feelings were hurt when Jesus restored the ear of Malchus there in the garden. Uh, Peter tried to defend his Lord, and he picked up a sword and whacked this uh, Malchus's ear off. To, and Jesus reached down and picked it up and put it back on and said, "That's enough, Peter. No more." In fact, Luke 22:50 and 51 it says one of them struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his right ear. But Jesus answered and said, "Permit even this." And he touched his ear and healed him. John 18.10 Then Simon Peter, having his sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. What a small package we make when we begin to feel sorry for ourselves. We get our little feelings hurt. We, we've got to get somehow get things back to, you know, where people recognize us. Satan has a blast with that kind of attitude. Now Peter, who was kind of pouting, who didn't know what to do, warmed himself at the enemy's fire after following far off. Peter had no business being there. How often we go to the wrong source for help when we're, when we're down. But Peter was upheld by Jesus' prayer. Luke 22:32 says, But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail, and when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. 
see Peter later at another fire. John 21, 9. This he spoke signifying by what death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. Peter, by this time, he was getting his life straightened out. And Jesus warned him that he was going to be crucified and uh, that it was going to be a rough go. But he said, follow me. He, Peter had let Jesus down. He'd messed up too, and, and he must have felt out of place there at that campfire with the other disciples. He must have wondered, are they remembering what I did? Are they thinking about what a traitor I was? Listen to John 21, 15 through 17. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And Peter said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? Jesus was doing this on purpose. He was cleansing and restoring Peter to a place of service. You see, Peter had denied Jesus three different times. He had to face this, and three different times he had to bring it forth and let God forgive him, body, soul, and spirit. Have you been out of place lately? Have you been more of a stumbling block than a stepping stone in God's kingdom? Maybe you've been running ahead of God like Abraham did, and and the result has been you're making a mess for yourself and for your church and for other people and for God. Does Satan still have a nail in your life where he can hang something dead and decaying that will keep you defeated? Go back to the point where you took the detour. 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Psalm 51, 12, Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me by your generous spirit. I want you to know whatever you're facing today, God is going to face it with you if you'll let him. God will give you strength for whatever you have to go through. Just turn to Jesus Christ. If you've got sin in your life, confess that. Ask for forgiveness. God is more than willing to answer that sincere prayer. I want to pray with you. Dear Jesus, I pray that you help each one that's listened to this podcast today, that they would understand how much you love them. And Lord, so many times we, we let you down, and we don't mean to, but it just happens, I guess. But Father, if we're living close to you, it, it, it helps us to be stronger. Help each one of us, Lord, to draw close to you. And I pray for those that are going through a difficult time, bolster them and lift them up. And Lord, I'd pray for those that, that are, are discouraged. I would ask that you'll encourage them. Lord, I pray for all of us that we might make the commitment to you that we need to make and live for Jesus Christ. How we love you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen, you know how to get a hold of me. It's Box 4031, Sun Valley, Arizona, 86021. Or if you wanted to call me, you could call me at 623-845-2741. 
that would also take a text if you wanted to text me. And finally, if you want to use my email, it's lowercase R-E-V-W-M-W-W-O-O-D-S at gmail.com. Now, I warn you, I get so much email that often I miss things. And if I miss you once, try again. But I want to I want to know what's on your heart. I want to pray with you if you need prayer. By the way, I'm in uh, preaching at the Baptist Church in Holbrook tomorrow. That's on the corner of First Avenue in Buffalo. I will be preaching the 11 o'clock service, and then tomorrow evening we're going to be show a movie, uh, A Distant Thunder. That's part of the uh, four movie set of the end times uh, of Revelation. And I would invite you to come at 6 o'clock tomorrow night. It'll be worth your while. Also, I do counseling on Wednesdays from 10 till 4. If you need to get together and talk about anything, I'll be at the church. What you would do is come to the main entrance, ring the doorbell. My office is right there, and I can see you and come let you in. I do pray for you. I do ask that God will bless you, and I, I am praying that you will have all that God has prepared for you and that you will be victorious in your, your Christian walk. God bless. Talk to you next week.